Welcome to episode five of A Glass of This, the podcast devoted to Idaho's growing beer, cider, wine, and spirits industry. I'm your host, Walt Huntsman. This time around, I sit down with Wade Burgess from Cloud9 Brewing. We'll talk about how Wade got into brewing and the part his background plays in the operation at Cloud9. We'll also talk about the benefits and challenges of trying to be an organic operation, as well as the challenges of operating in a small space, as Cloud9 does. Then we'll talk location, location, location as it applies to Cloud9, taking a more traditional approach to making beer, Cloud9's decision to make their own soft drinks, and the Boise beer scene. Plus, Wade talks about possible future plans and a new collaboration with a local coffee roaster. So grab yourself a glass of your favorite beverage and sit down to a glass of this with Cloud9's Wade Burgess. Let's uh, start with how you got involved or interested in making beer and how long you've been at it. Yeah, you know, it it started for me when I was pretty young. Uh, I think I was about 18. Okay. Uh, My father-in-law and I started to kind of dabble with it on the weekends when we lived um, in Portland. We actually lived uh, in uh, Gresham and we had a uh, machine shop in uh, Troutdale right across the street from... uh, McMinniman's first real establishment, the Edgefield. So we'd go over there all the time and try all of their craft beers that they were doing. This is the the early 90s, about mid-90s actually. And uh, yeah, we got interested in doing it ourselves. Got the, you know, the books and (laughs) we we went to a computer software store and they happened to sell home brewing supplies as well. And they gave... That's an interesting combination. (laughs) Yeah, they they had Jerry Garcia posters on the wall and software, and they gave uh, home brewing classes on the weekend. But we just got the books and tried it at home ourselves. So nowadays, with the Jerry Garcia posters, they might be into selling a few other things. Who knows? Yeah, who knows exactly? (laughs) If it's if it's legal yet in Oregon. (laughs) Uh, So, so how long have you have you been with Cloud Nine since the beginning? Then I've been here for just over two years. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, about half the time. Had you not professionally? Had not, not been brewing. So you so you did the homebrew and kind of that. And Correct. Yeah. Um, sort of perfected your your craft, as it were. Yeah. Yes. Um, I've been in uh, manufacturing, uh, CNC machining, and programming, and um, some minor production design, um, engineering design, uh, for a long time. So for me, homebrewing um, really went to that part of it because um, there really wasn't a lot of really good equipment that you could buy for home brewing mm-hmm. to, to make a, a, a quality and consistent product. So for me, it was a, kind of a challenge to start building and developing my own pieces of equipment to do that. Now, now were you able at all then to, to translate any of that experience to oh, absolutely. come here? To, absolutely. How, did, how does that translate? Um, well, first and foremost is just understanding your equipment um, as far as um, using it, taking care of it, maintenance, um, being able to make quick decisions on the fly if something breaks, um, coming up with easier methods you know, for what, what you've got going on. I mean, every brewery has a little bit different situation. Right different size, a different method that they have, you know. Um, so that definitely helps me with some versatility in that sense. Now, Cloud9 on the website builds itself as a nano pub. How, what exactly 
is that, and what, and what is that? How does that translate in terms of how Cloud9 operates? So Nano, I believe, is six barrels batch size um, or less. Um, so since we're four barrels, that puts us in that, that category. So bigger than six barrels, I believe. It's I think it's five or six. I can't remember, but um, anything bigger than that, you would be a micro brewery. And how many gallons in a barrel, roughly? Uh, so. One barrel is uh, 32 okay. gallons, um, so we're four at a time, so roughly 128 okay. gallons. So do you, does, that, does that end up meaning that you have to brew each beer several times to make sure you have enough <laughs> supply? No, or so our, our batch size is exactly that, that, okay. that uh, four barrel now, so one batch, one day's brewing is, is that four barrel size. Okay. Yeah. Um, now... Cloud Nine's also the only organic brewery in Idaho, or, or at least was as when far you as, yeah, up. as far as I know, um, I have I haven't heard of anything. But I mean, there's so many breweries popping up nowadays. But what uh, are, are there challenges that because of that that you guys have that maybe other places that I don't know, for lack of a better way of putting it, aren't quite as particular about the ingredients uh, don't have. You know, Yes and no. Um, we it is uh, an added cost. Um, we we do pay for that certification. Um, even though we only certify uh, one of our beers as certified organic, um, all of our beers I would say about ninety percent using organic ingredients. Um, storage, you know, is a minor difficulty. Um, like I said, again, we do audits. Um, I keep samples of everything I do when I make. Uh, an organic batch of beer um, so they're pretty minor challenges the benefits though I think far outweigh um, I can tell um, how much better the the yeast performs in the beer that that, that I give it um, in the when it's organic for sure um, it seems to be much healthier uh, more viable product yeah okay um... And you, and you may or may not be able to speak to this, but I know that the, the, the restaurant part of the operation also tries to be organic. Uh, as far as you know, was the decision to go organic with the beer first or the food first, and did one follow the other? Or I think the whole package was sent okay. into play yeah, by uh, Maggie and, and Jake Lake. They, I think they both had a, a vision to, to do that all the way across the board. Yeah. Now... You guys have the on-site restaurant, which is a little more extensive than some of the the brew pubs in terms of some of your offerings. Sure. Um, and one of the things that that includes, from what I understand, uh, are if you're still doing them, are the the brewers' dinners. Mm-hmm. Um, how did how does that work? How did this come about? Uh, you know, again, I think I think the owners um, really wanted to. I mean, they knew what they liked, mm-hmm. and I think that's where it kind of came from. They 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 loved meeting the brewer, talking about the beer, the origins, the stories. I mean, each different styles of beer has a really unique, you know, story that goes way back. Um, having these dinners, you know, paired or even made with the beer. Um, I mean, there's just it's. I, I love that idea. I used to go to those those brewery dinners all over town. Does that add any extra? Uh, challenger for you as far as not for me more for the kitchen for sure yeah the kitchen i mean you know when you've got a a 50 top you know of people here 
trying to serve all at once. You know, the, the, the challenge is definitely all, all on their court. You know. Now, you also host the uh, For the Love of Craft Festival every year. Mm-hmm. And what... Uh, what does that What does that do for for Cloud Nine, and, and how did that that whole thing kind of how does that How did that come about? Um, I think I believe Maggie, the owner, um, she started that uh, for Love of Craft, and she just wanted to bring all the local breweries together and you know provide a spot um, right here at our brewery for them to do that, bring their own beers, and have people come and understand and see what what Boise has to offer for all that. And it works out great. Have you, have you found that that translates into additional foot traffic for you guys, too? I, I, I believe it does, um, for sure. Um, it definitely helps get people educated about, you know, what what's going on here in Boise as far as beer goes. And we've got we've got a, a great amount of awesome breweries in this area. Let's, let's talk about that. I, I didn't have that as a question, but Boise has really seemed to explode uh, especially since 2012 when Cloud9 came online but even in the last two three years um, how would you how would you describe the Boise beer scene then as, as far as good and strong um, you know everybody's making a good beer I mean let's face it you're not you're not gonna keep a brewery open for more than you know a few days if you're if you're not putting out a good product all these guys are putting out a great product you know and um, these guys are putting out a good brand, uh, you know, based on um, you know where where they are, um, what kind of demographic, you know, their neighborhood is. Um, you know, everyone's got their favorite. Um, yeah, they all make a great product. Maybe somebody just says, "Hey, I like the way their their decor is." Right? I love the styles that they seem to produce consistently, or. Um, I love uh, just the feeling I get from, from the, what they name their beers. You know that I think that's clever. Everyone's just got that that preference of a specific branding. Do you think Do you think we've reached a saturation point, yeah, or is there still room to grow? I don't know about that. I think there's still room to grow. Um, I mean, and, and we're all changing, and that's the one thing I love about a lot of the breweries around town. And they're not scared to change styles. Um, you know, there seem to be this huge amount of IPAs everywhere you went and now guys are a lot of breweries are switching over to different lagers and you know they're 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 adapting really to what uh, what the consumers are telling them that they want and they're doing a really good job at it now speaking of beers you guys do six if I'm correct six that you do year round and then we keep six staples yes uh-huh. and those are uh, we do our amber we do our our certified organic blonde uh, we do our NSN IPA, um, we have our salted caramel stouts, and our nine grain porter. And just recently we've decided to continue our honey basil ale um, year round, so I'm going to keep that one on as a staple as well. We're getting a really good product of basil, even in the in the colder years, so I'm going to keep going with that as long as I can. As long as I get a good product of basil, I'll, I'll keep that one going. Now, are there, uh, are there any... Uh, Either varieties or, or styles that you haven't tried yet that you uh, oh, are hoping, yeah. hoping to bring on board. There, there are, um, and some of them, unfortunately, are just not realistic for us since we're so small. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to do some sours. Um, that would be awesome, but I, it's, it's, since it's just a, a tight little small space um, that uh, that you strain can get a little 
little crazy. <laughs> I got, so I'd have a hard time containing that that situation. So um, another one is um, some barrel age. I just don't have any space on site for barrel aging. So if I wanted to do that, I'd have to get pretty clever and or even store off site, which that makes it a little more difficult for me to manage. Um, you know, there's even, I've, I've read into a lot about Solera Brewing, which is, you know, they take portions of a cask out, mm. bottle that, and then they they leave some in, and then they'll, they'll add back to that again, and you're so what you're doing is you're constantly keeping, you know, a portion of the original beer that's that's always there, and it's always affecting the new portions that you're it putting back in. And sounds a little bit like a sourdough starter in a way. Sort of, yes. Yeah. So you're basically, yeah, it's like a you're keeping a mother going with, okay. with beer, yeah. Now, Cloud9... If my timing is right, earlier this year, finished an expansion that, that kind of basically doubled seating capacity. Did that give you anything or as far as I, room? We were really anticipating it affecting me greatly, yes. Because um, I, I, I'm just not going to be able to keep up if we were to fill every chair in here. Um, so... We have it um, in plan to probably bring on guest taps, um, whether it be you know something um, you know we get out of state from our distributor, or you know some local guys we get from the distributor, um, whatever we like. I mean, we get to pick all that, so and we're completely open to it because the owner Jake and I we we have similar interests in beers and styles, so yeah, we'd, we'd love to do that. Has there ever been any talk about expanding your own capacity, or is that yes? We would. We, it would definitely have to be offsite. Um, okay. We would, that's a, a you know completely separate investment as far as right. that that part of it goes. But and we definitely talk about that. It will be some time down the road. But uh, yeah, it's it's which would definitely something we want to do. Take you into the microbrew uh, category. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Now, the website bills itself as the smallest full brew pub in the U.S., and your space is, in addition to capacity, physically looks pretty pretty tight. Uh, what, what kind of challenges does that add? Uh, you know, I, we got to be clean. We got to we got to be careful. Um, you know, I, I don't wear rubber boots in the brewery. Um, if there was a situation that occurred in that small little space where I needed rubber boots, you know, <laughs> I've got a much bigger problem, you know, than getting my feet wet at that point. Um, if it was hermetically sealed, it would fill up pretty fast. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a fishbowl in there for, for sure. But uh, So it, I, I joke um, to the owner, Jake, uh, that it were a precision brewery because... Everything's got to be very careful and precise and no messes. Now, on the website, it, it says that it, it, between the, the seasonals and, and any one-offs you might do in the year-round brews, that altogether there's roughly 53 styles of beer. Are, are, I, I'm going to guess, I'm going to go out on a real limb here and guess that one of the six year-rounds is probably one of the most popular, but are there, are there flavors that... When you brought them online, you thought, I like it. I don't know how people are going to react. It had it really take off. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, we were fortunate enough to get involved in um, the hazy IPA craze 
really early um, before it got you know too oversaturated. Um, so that was really fun, and that was um, that was a really interesting gear for me because it just went against everything that you learn as a brewer. Mm-hmm. Everything was just done backwards, huh. um, and that really intrigued me. So. In order to create this situation, you've just got to do everything wrong and backwards and not what you'd normally do. And so it, it, it actually took a lot more effort. And it was fun and it worked out well and, and it, it, it was a huge hit and it still is a huge hit. And So now we, we do it more than once a year. We do it several times a year. The honey basil strikes me as another one that seems, because it's, it's a little bit different from what you find in a lot of places. And yet yeah. you just, as you were saying, it's... You're going to try to make it year-round or as close to year-round as you can make it. So it sounds like that one took off pretty well, too. It's very popular. It's always in high demand. Any other unusual combinations that, you got, that you've tried or that you, you're planning to try? Um, well, you know, and that's... At Cloudline, we, we try to keep our, our beers balanced and subtle. Uh, I think the, the head brewer owner and I, um, we have that, that, that agreement kind of, we have that same preference. Um, we like our beers balanced. We like them subtle. Um, it's not going to be something that's like, oh, this is a, a berry beer, a, a fruit beer, if you will. And then you drink it and you go, wow, yeah, that's <laughs> that's got a lot of that berry in there, you know, or that fruit in there. That's If we were to do something like that, it would it's going to be something very subtle, like, oh, yeah, 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 I kind of I taste that in there a little bit. So that, that's just this is our our preference. So we keep it like that. Is that uh, <clears throat> is that uh, I don't know. Maybe this isn't the right word. It seems like slightly, at least slightly more traditional approach to making beer. Yes. In a sense, we yes we we're on we're on that that purest side of it, of, of beer making. Yeah, we we like to try to be in yeah. Does uh, does being organic play into that too at all then? Or um, nowadays we you get such a great amount of organic products, um, raw raw materials, um, readily available, not much more of a price. And luckily for us, since we are so small, the added costs really don't affect us. Um, so we have the um, advantage of purchasing, you know, the the much higher quality organic products. Like for our, our honey, our honey basil, it's, um, you can't get a organic honey in the United States, so we, we import it from South America in the rainforest where they know what the bees are getting into. They, they, can, they can guarantee that mm. organic situation, so we import that in, um, and, we, and we use that in a lot of our other beers as well. Uh, so, I mean, it's not really a, a challenge. It's, um, it's really fun, honestly. Now, you guys also make your own soft drinks too at least several of them are you involved in that in, I'm sorry the, the non-alcoholic the root beer and the yeah yes yes um, our ginger ale and our, and our root beer yes and then in addition our uh, we do a, a a grapefruit citrus huckleberry soda for our uh, our Radler beer how does how does that process compare in terms of beer making is it are the process similar very similar up to the the point of fermentation um that's it's just a less step one less step that i have to perform so why um what was it that made you the guys decide to do your own soft drinks or non-alcoholic drinks as a uh, on top of the beer quality absolutely i think quality um i think uh we, we get a much much higher quality we can control the sugar amounts what kind of sugars is it over refined you know are we getting this 
product is completely from us, 100% organic, start to finish. Um, it just has a much, in my opinion, it just has a much more intellectual layering of flavors than, than what you would buy in a mass mass produced you know situation. Have you um, ever found that something you're doing on either the non-alcoholic side or the beer side shows you something that you could do? I mean, is there ever any cross? Uh, A little bit, yeah. I mean, in the back of your mind, you might find, um, well, and here's an uh, an example. Um, in, In brewing, when you're adding things to a boil kettle with beer, um, it's always, even if it's a lighter beer, it's a much darker color, yeah. you know, than the end product. So it's harder to actually see what's, to visually see what's happening as you're adding things in. Is this, is this going to the bottom? Is it scorching? Is it burning? Is it, you know, caramelizing too fast? Should I maybe add this in at a earlier stage or a later stage or in smaller quantities throughout or so on and so forth? So yeah, sure. Yeah, that does help. So, so because of that, do you have to end up having to trust the process sometimes if you can't always see yeah. what's going on? Yes. And in some cases, it is trial and error. You do your best with, you know, the available science that we have in your research and, and hope for the best. But sometimes, yeah, you, there's something that came up that you didn't think about, you know. And it, later, you find out, hey, I know how to fix that. I know how to prevent that from happening or... In some cases, that could become an advantage. You know, you could use that that thing that ruined one batch for you, or not ruined, but you know, <clears throat> was a little detrimental to it. Then you might use that as an advantage in, a, in another style of beer. So now, Cloud Nine has been around since 2012, and I know you haven't been here that whole time. But in conversations with the owners, what? Do you, do you get a sense of what the journey's been like as far as? From that first day to where Cloud9 is now? Yeah. I was a patron um, well before I started coming, working here. Um, and uh, I actually, you know, didn't have... A, I didn't believe that Cloud9 was going to be a brewery that I was going to like. They were in my neighborhood, and right. I, I assumed actually it was going to be a pretty mediocre situation. just didn't seem like um, maybe the owner... You know, I had a, a, a place, you know, in, in Boise yet. Maybe he needed a little more experience. Maybe he needed to get around a little bit more. I hadn't really heard about this guy. Uh, uh, but when I came in, it, I fell in love with the, the beers right away. They were they were my favorite, absolutely. And it's, this place over that time absolutely became my Boise's number one craft beer for me. So it wasn't a hard decision for me to come work here when I, the opportunity presented itself. Now, we've talked a bit about the fact that the Cloud9 is organic or mostly organic with regard to not only the beer but the food as well. What else do you think, and, and, and of course the size, what else do you think makes Cloud9 unique from the other guys in town? Uh, you know, I really like our, our location. Um, I think we've got a really great spot right here in the North End, um, in a great neighborhood. Uh, there's a lot of dog owners. Um, we've got a great dog-friendly patio, um, and you know a lot of the the residents in this area. I mean, let's just face it, are, are very much like-minded to um, what our mission is as far as 
you know, sustainability and organics and, um, you know, a high quality product. So that's, that's definitely a huge benefit for us. Absolutely. is, is proximity. Really, so. talk, talk about the sustainability a bit. How does that, how does that work for a, a brewery and what kind of challenges do you guys run into? Um, you know, we've, being small and it's you know we're not really new but you know we haven't been here for a long time um just you know moving moving quality product um there's i mean let's face it quality product just doesn't have the shelf life as uh, you know a lot of your um, products with you know preservatives additives you know to give it that shelf life so keeping that product coming in being able to move it within you know the correct amount of time so that those those are definitely challenges so we try to um to, to utilize whatever pathways and avenues that we can to to you know to conserve for that and uh, aside from the honey I, I assume that for the most part you use local or relatively local suppliers, and I imagine that helps as well. When, whenever I can, whenever whenever it's um, it, it's beneficial on, on both sides for our profitability and, of course, you know the, the integrity of the product. Yes, yes. So the only other thing I, I have is just kind of a sort of a general out there question: what's uh, what's next as far as Cloud Nine is concerned? Um, well. Definitely, we want to. Uh, we'd like to upscale the, the the brewing situation. We'd love to get some of our beers out in, in cans or bottles. Um, that's definitely a conversation Jake and I have a lot. Um, we'd like to get a little bit more merchandise out there for people. I mean, some people love that swag. I mean, we're just not going to make up, you know, a fortune on swag, but um, people love to have it. People ask for it. I, I'd like to see more creative designs. Um, uh, me and some of the other um, employees, we do the art here here in the brewery, like the wall art, um, the tables, um, shelves. Um, so we do that all ourselves. That's uh, so that's kind of fun. We'd like to do more of that. Yeah. Anything that we haven't talked about that uh, people ought to know? Uh, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, we're always going to be trying to come up with a, a new beer. Um, we're uh, we're working with Dawson Taylor right now for an espresso stout. We usually do an espresso stout every year, but this will be, I believe, our first year working directly with them. We got to go and talk to them and take a tour of their roasters and do some sampling and come up with something that we we felt was going to be a good one. So that's in, that should be coming out here in the next few weeks. I'll be looking forward to that one. <laughs> good, good, excellent. All right, I think that's it. My thanks to Wade Burgess of Cloud9 Brewing. You'll find the links to the Cloud9 webpage and their Facebook page on our page at a glassofthis.blogspot.com. We'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. Until then, cheers, and thanks for listening. Thank you.